This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Tell me about the thing you wanted to talk about at the start of our book podcast. <laughs> uh, Susanna and I had a seven-hour childbirth class today Good. in anticipation of the birth of our child. Word class is very important there. <laughs> yeah. And there were videos. There were educational videos. Yep. I felt like the, the feel was closest, I think, to like driver's ed. Yeah. Where the teacher is just like kind of riffing <laughs> off of some basic material, and then sometimes they show you a video, and then the the part of driver's ed where you drive the car was the part of this where we walked around the hospital and saw all the rooms. Okay, okay. Um, but there was a, a very disturbing and and graphic CG video. Wait, of, there was CG? Well, it was like a like a crime scene reenactment <laughs> level way yeah, of a c-section being performed yo so they cut your gut open and then they dig around in your muscles and pull a baby out uh-huh and we're in we're in this class with like two dozen not two dozen people like probably like seven or eight couples okay um that's in between a dozen and two dozen so you were close and this video ends yep and the only sound that you hear is my wife saying loud enough for everyone to hear it, woof. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't stop laughing. That owns. You guys have the exact right amount of chill and it is negative five. Oh, Even though they man. made us go around and say how anxious we were from a scale a scale from one to ten, and we were eights, and everyone else was like sixes. That's, we had, there were a couple people who were threes. Those are liars. Like, Get your head in the game. What are you talking they about? They were either stoned or liars or both. It's yeah. the only way. Welcome to Overdue. Yeah, that's my deal. Yeah. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And we are about to birth some content here for y'all this week on the show. Andrew, thank you for sharing... That I think our listeners have been very interested and supportive of you throughout yeah, this I'm process. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, if there's one thing the internet has taught me, it's that having kids is a content gold mine. Yeah, dude. So you gotta start, gotta start exploiting that. I think, uh, as soon as you possibly can. Later this episode, we might have a, a, a little news about our Patreon project to share. So, um, just know that when people give us money, that some of it goes directly to Andrew's future child. Um, yeah, it's paying for daycare. Not all of it, but a, a quite a bit so of if it, you so. don't give it to us this, this, you're taking you it away my child from a not baby. to be care do you want me to be in charge of taking care of my child all the time that just feels like too much it feels like that's not tenable um so this week we are talking about a book like we do every week and i read eleven twenty two sixty three by stephen king tell me if you've heard of him 
Uh, yeah, he was the guy who wrote Bag of Bones, yes. right? That's his most famous novel. Definitely his most famous novel. This was a Patreon recommendation from Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, it's been sitting on our virtual shelf for a while, probably because it's huge. And Probably because it's huge, <laughs> like all Stephen King books. We write a bunch of them for the show. Um, so I did It. Mm-hmm. We both read Bag of Bones did I um, do with one? Natasha from Unspoiled. I read Carrie. I'm trying to think if you ever did another one. Jocko separately. read The Stand years oh. ago. I don't think yeah. I've saved Bag of Bones. I don't think I've done a solo king for the show, though I did used to read my mom's Stephen King books like as a kid. You read Nosferatu, which is his son, Joe Hill. Joe Hill, yes, 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 yes. Um, um, who also, as I as I understand it, like helped tweak the ending of this book to make it better. I guess good because it's a good ending and it's a good job, good. Joe. Um, this is the sixtieth book by Stephen King. His, as I believe, his forty ninth novel and the forty second book under his name because he's published some stuff as other people. I guess. Yeah, it's uh, it was published in twenty eleven. And it became a Hulu television stories series mm-hmm. starring James Franco. Unlike the Deuce, there is only one James Franco <laughs> the, in in this show. That's the right amount of James Francos. I unless feel. you count like time traveling James Francos Wait. as multiple James Francos. Uh-oh. I think you. Oh, I might actually be wrong. I haven't seen it. Maybe Ooh, there are two James Francos. Something to think about. Um. It won the 2011 LA Times Book Prize for Best Mystery Thriller. Yeah. And the 2012 International Thriller Writers Award for Best Novel. And then it was also nominated for a British Fantasy Award and a Locus Award. Um, And he had... So the basic premise of the book is someone goes back in time and tries to prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Yeah. Um, So he had started kind of writing a novel in this vein before he even did carry in like 1971 which is only eight years after the assassination of jfk Mm -hmm. which like i don't it's such a big event and the and the book kind of grapples with this idea of like the way someone 50 years hence like thinks about this event versus the way that people who were there must have thought about it but Mm -hmm. like king was maybe well he was born in 47 i want to say um yeah that's right so he was a teenager when this happened um and to like then just start writing a fantasy time travel novel about it eight years later like in my brain it feels too soon but i know it's not well and i also wonder like richard nixon becomes president oh yeah in 69 yeah 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 um nice like to (laughs) to what degree is is this a, a what if you know oh yeah by that well I don't, yeah i don't know that no no that's a good point yeah I, I don't know that that he is that his politics would have like prompted him to do that but i think if you are thinking okay here's a democratic president getting replaced by a republican president after a lot of years of of democrats kind of having a lock on power post you know post roosevelt post fdr yeah we'll talk about the the vietnam angle too which was probably playing into why he might have been writing that um yeah so i know that eisenhower is also Republican. don't at me (laughs) but the original title was split track and the the key difference between the original version of the book or the original idea for the book uh and what 
came out is that the dude who goes back, like, succeeds, comes back to the present, it's a nuclear wasteland, and then has to go back and stop himself. That does Mm -hmm. not... the Some of the nuclear wasteland stuff happens, um, but it is far more delayed, like, towards the end of the book, like, him actually interacting with Oswald. Um, I do like the idea that King is aware, and he has said in interviews, that this book might appeal to non-Stephen King people, yeah, I guess it's not it is it is more of a sci-fi or yeah, more of a sci-fi book, I guess. It's a historical a, fiction book a lot. Than a horror yeah. book. Yeah, it's not so a I'm horror cur- book. I, at all. I'm curious to to talk about whether there are any elements of of horror in here, but I think you write like 60 books, you've yeah. <laughs> earned the right to to go outside your typical genre a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, he did do a lot of research on this. I just want to shout out because we probably won't have time to talk about it. Like in the course of the episode, there's an afterword in the edition that I the edition I was reading like broke my Kindle Fire more than once because there's like a video in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand. <laughs> um, but there was an afterword where he cited a couple books in case folks are like, I would like to learn more about this whole part of history. Mm-hmm. Um, case closed by Gerald Posner. Legend by Edward J. Epstein. Oswald's Tale by Norman Mailer, Mrs. Payne's Garage by Thomas Mallon, and William Manchester's Death of a President, which was published in 1967. And King says, like, that book got some stuff wrong uh, just based on its proximity to the actual event, but mm-hmm. is was one of the most valuable for him in terms of, like, how people might have been feeling about it at the time. Sure. Um, there was... And then I was just poking around Stephen King's website, and... You go to stephenking.com, the official website, it says, and you click on the library. <laughs> Don't be fooled by those <laughs> imitators over at stephenking.net. You go to the page for the book, and there's a thing with the cover and stuff. And then there's just like reviews, like powered by dis- Discuss, that comment powering device, right. whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one person writes a whole review. I did not, I do not read fiction. I have not read a single fiction book in 20 years, but I've had a lifelong interest in the Kennedy assassination and the idea of time travel and the opportunity to change that moment. Imagine my surprise when I saw the book cover those very topics. I bought the book a year ago, but could not bring myself to read it. Recently, I found myself on a plane without internet, without anything, except this book on my iPad, and it, <laughs> and it took over my life. I even dreamed of it some nights over the past two weeks. My wife thought I lost my mind and like goes on about it. And then it's like if if you quit <laughs> caffeine and then you have some caffeine again, like he went without fiction for so long <laughs> that he finally took a hit of fiction and he just lost his mind. And I love it because one person reviews, one person replies and is like, great job. That's a great review. I couldn't have said it better. And then someone else replies and is like, actually, it's really inaccurate. Lee Harvey Oswald was a hero. He did not kill Kennedy. And then oh, like boy. goes for a paragraph about how Lee, Os- Lee Harvey Oswald did not do this heinous crime. Oh, it's so good. There's <sighs> something about conspiracies about yep. this that feel really quaint because oh, good point. These, yeah. ex- these conspiracy theories existed for decades and didn't rip apart the fabric of civic society. As opposed to some like some like anti vax stuff that is having like really yep. kind of scary and very real impacts on different communities. Something I'm sort of worried about as somebody who lives in a densely populated area who's about to have an infant who can't get their vaccines for, you know, 
months at least or years depending on the depending on the shot yeah so. and and it's interesting you say that too because the way that the book deals with changes to the timeline is to literally like have ripple effects that could unmake reality so like there's a i i will want to talk about how the the book deals in patterns and what it calls harmonies and the the way that that idea i think kind of bumps up against conspiracy theorizing and like the appeal of conspiracy theories as as a way of like making sense of the world um which doesn't you know negate the the horror of of the anti-vax movement but Mm -hmm. it does kind of like it finds a it finds an oblique way to touch on that which isn't just a book about conspiracy theories which i think is pretty cool um yeah like i think if you're if you're writing a a book about this in 2011 you gotta you gotta have a cool like way to come at it yeah 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 so i guess i'm curious to hear your take on that as well but should we take a quick break first yeah and then um while during the break i'm gonna jump back in time and i'm gonna change everything and then the episode will be different when i come back all right but then you're gonna have to go back again and stop yourself from changing the episode (laughs) because it turns out that this would have been the one that catapulted us into the upper echelons of podcast royalty and then i would have been the president and did a bad job see you on the other side guys bye andrew i have a whole bunch of conspiracies but i don't know what to do with them how do i tell the world about my conspiracies well have has your site gotten shut down by facebook <laughs> well it wasn't a, it wasn't really a site as much as a bunch of like screeds and memes mm-hmm. but yes right yes it did they okay, put they so shut me if, down <laughs> if facebook shut you down then maybe try our friends over at squarespace what what can they do for me um you can turn your scary idea into a beautiful website you can showcase your work, blog or publish content, sell products and services of all kinds, promote your physical or online business and announce an upcoming event or special project and so much more. Anything you can make a website for, you can make a Squarespace for. This sounds good. I have a lot of ideas to infect the world with. <laughs> um, they've got beautiful templates created by world-class designers. They've got built-in search engine optimization so people can find your theories. They've got free and secure hosting and there's nothing to patch or upgrade ever. If you do have problems, there's 24-7 award-winning customer support. So if you want to make a website, even if it's not about kooky conspiracy theories, you should head to squarespace.com slash overdue for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash overdue for a free trial and use the offer code overdue to save 10%. Squarespace. Do it already. Oh God, Andrew, I'm back. Whoa. <laughs> wow. How'd it go? Um, it's okay. I'm five years older now, but my bank account's full. What do you want me to spend this money from the past on? <laughs> and you're friends with James Franco now. It's I weird. See. He's because right he's here. Back in that chair in the corner of your office. Yeah, we're married now. The timeline is all messed up. Whoa, nice. But I got all that Hollywood money, so <laughs> good. Well, tell me what you did when you went back. I uh, had a whole bunch of free time and read the book eleven twenty two sixty three. Okay, so what King. what was that about? Um, so as we've talked uh, in the other timeline, 
Um, it's about a guy um, who goes back in time to stop the assassination of JFK. So the way that this starts is in a sleepy town in Maine. I don't know if you've read a Stephen King book before, but there is a guy <laughs> who is an English teacher, much like Stephen King, who uh, also has you know the aspirations of a novelist, like Stephen King, mm-hmm. um, who is like he's a sleepy town teacher. He likes his job fine he did have a uh, a marriage that fell apart uh his wife had like a drinking problem uh-huh. and they broke up um he doesn't really have any other ties other than just his job so far this is all stephen king mad libs yeah it's pretty stephen king mad libs um <laughs> and he we get this like well, not to insult the no. man but he does have a uh, a story template that he sort of a foundation <laughs> that he builds different beautiful houses on (laughs) correct um and this kind of loner writer man tells us a story about one student in one of his adult fiction writing classes not adult fiction uh, fiction writing for adults Um, (laughs) adult fiction writing for adults got it um he is a, a janitor for the school named harry who uh, turns in this really moving, even if it's like kind of poorly written story about this like terrible event that happened to him as a kid where his dad mm-hmm. like murdered his whole family and and wounded him. And that's why he has this limp and had a head injury and stuff. Yikes. And so like Jake, the teacher, kind of is very moved by this guy and, you know, kind of becomes friends with him. A couple of years later, the guy's retiring. He takes him out for dinner and stuff like this. And the next day... He gets a call from the owner of the diner in town, Al's Diner, and <laughs> Great. Al is like, Jake, I got something to show you. I need to talk to you about something. He's like, okay, Al, I saw you yesterday. You could tell me yesterday Let me, what's going on. And he sees Al, and Al has aged like several years and has lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he saw him yesterday, and neither of those things were true. And so Al shows what him... What concert did he go to <laughs> last night he that went, made this happen? Went to an ICP concert in age 10 <laughs> years. Um, and Al shows him a funky spot in like his storeroom where you can like walk down some non-existent stairs, sort of like you're going through a wormhole, and you end up back in 1958. Uh, September 9th, 1958 at 11.58 a.m. is where you get spit out. You're still in the the same town, though. The only way that would be better is if that's what happened to everybody who did the fake walking downstairs (laughs) joke. Yeah. If you went to like fake walk down some stairs and you accidentally ended up in 1958 or whatever. Behind someone else's couch. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, Just going down to the basement. Dunk, dunk, dunk. Whoa, <laughs> JFK. What are you doing here? Um, and Al like only sort of prepares him for it. Al's just like, go through there. Um, you're gonna see a man who's got like a fedora with a yellow card in it. You have to give him this half dollar. Here's some money that I have. Spend it. Have fun. But please come back. And this is how the book sets up the rules of its time travel. So the rules are you always go back to that exact same time. Mm-hmm. You, Whenever you come back to the future, uh, it's only ever been two minutes, no matter how long you're there. Okay. Um, 
the past can be changed, but if you go back again, it undoes all, it undoes all of it, your changes. It undoes, no, undoes this, right? it controls these all of your changes. Um, so it's almost like you've deleted your save and you go back to the original system, right. like beginning of the story. And there's actually a really cool way. I was really like, I really liked how King introduces this. So Al tells this story of a woman, young woman who, as a kid, like there's an accident where some hunter like tries to shoot a deer. It ricochets off a tree and like hits her in the back and she's paralyzed like from the waist down. And he's like, I'm going to try and fix this. Mm -hmm. And this tells us a couple things about the world is that one, trying to change something is possible, but like it, you almost start to encounter like really aggressive bad luck. Like your car will break down, like people will get in your way, stuff will start to happen to you that is commensurate with the size of the event you want to change. Okay. So if I went back in time and was like, oh, it was like a coin flip and I was just trying to change a coin flip, like maybe it wouldn't be a big deal. And there'd be like a gust of wind or like I'd be a little late on the bus or something. But like trying to kill someone, you like get really sick or someone tries to kill you. Like the past is obdurate is the word that Stephen King uses a lot. Like, obdurate. I think it means like it's quite a word. stubborn or something. It okay. stands out in the text so that you kind of remember it. Um, mm-hmm. But Al tells a story of like he he does prevent this girl from getting paralyzed. He comes back and yada, yada, yada. Uh, things work out for her. But then... As he's explaining this, Jake realizes, but you just sent me back in time. And he's like, yeah, she's back in a wheelchair now. You did that by traveling oh, no. back in time. Um, and one of the funny details, Andrew, is you can bring things from the past back with you. Uh-huh. So like Al has brought back a bunch of past money with him that he has won by like betting on sports and stuff. Do they also age... The money? How many years or like stuff that you bring back forward? Like what's the catch? Well, it's unclear. You are, you, later in the book it gets into like by moving things between timelines, you're like messing with the overall like stability of reality. But it is. that (laughs) tracks. But it is not like a you've taken it from one place and then. So like one of the reasons that all the hamburgers at Al's Diner are so cheap is that he's been buying meat in 1958 and bringing it to 2011 and selling it to people at discount prices. What a weird business hack. So good. Wow. Okay. He buys. And to me, I made a note. I was like, does it expire? Like, what's the deal? Uh, when when Jake goes back, he like drinks a really tasty root beer, and then when he comes back into 2011, I was like, "That root beer is still in your belly, man. Like it's in there. You can feel it, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah <laughs> I can." Um, like, what if the what if the FDA or someone like changed a regulation in the 60 years? Who knows? <laughs> you get mad cow, I guess. Who knows? Um, but Al reveals his grand plan. Which is to stop Lee Harvey Oswald from killing JFK. Just like his main pitch is like, think about all the bad stuff that happened after Kennedy died, particularly Uh Vietnam. Um, Al is convinced that Kennedy would not have let Vietnam go the way it did. Um, And that he went back in time and stayed there 
almost long enough to to take care of it, but he got cancer and was going to die. And so he was like, well, I'll come back and try and get someone else. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And that's why this like Stephen King surrogate protagonist is really useful because he has no ties to people. Like they even comment on that in the book. Like Jake's like, oh, you knew I was a good recruit for this, didn't you? <laughs> um, the other thing that's bothering Al and what stopped him a couple times is the fact that there's all this conspiracy theory stuff around Oswald and that we we never really know what we'll never really know i mean there was whatever that commission was was it the warren commission or, or something else like that i think that's the jfk one um, yeah. where they like pr- they proved as as best they could or at least you know told the public that oswald acted alone and al is operating under the assumption that there's like maybe a five percent chance he didn't so he spends as much time as he can researching who else could have been there, other things like that. And he narrows it down to another guy that Oswald tried to kill, um, Edwin Wallace, who was like mm-hmm. a super racist general or something. And there's a, there's like one or two other actors that if they were at that part also, then they might have also been helping Oswald later. And so he's like, when you go back, you have to make sure that those people are not involved or else even if you stop Oswald they would still kill JFK. Okay. Um, And then when Jake is like, okay, I'll do this, but I kind of need to prove to me that it works. Like I need a test case, which is like a cool, like if this were a... What what does that mean? Yeah, he wants to know what it feels like to change the past before he commits to this. Oh, so he wants to to do a little... A little past change before he does a big one. Yes. And he doesn't pick like a little, little one. He decides. It would have to be. Yeah. It would have to be big enough that you would definitely, definitely notice the effects back in the present. Right. Correct. And so he decides to save the family of that janitor whose dad killed his mom and his siblings. Okay. And like, you know, nearly killed him. Um, so this is the first Jake's first trip back and he actually this is occurring in the town of Derry Andrew which I think is that the town from it Derry is the town from it and a bunch of his other books okay Derry Maine because and I think I don't like I don't know that there is a an established like Derry verse with (laughs) with a continuity like I think that it's just kind of well that's interesting. It is a template. It's a template for a town, and the specifics can change based on what he needs. But I, I haven't read all of his, you know, everything that he's ever published, so I don't know how true that is. Because he goes back to Derry, and it is just after, I guess, what would be like when the kids in it are kids dealing with Pennywise. Okay. Because a bunch of bad stuff has recently happened, and kids were killed, and someone was wearing a clown-like suit. Okay. And it's all it's all like oblique if you know about Stephen King book stuff. Um but people are It's really hard for me to imagine somebody not getting it, but right what, what if, if that you, person <laughs> What if that person who hadn't read fiction for in like 20 25 years. years read this book and he's like what is all this like clown murdered <laughs> stuff? 
And I do- came here for the historical fiction, thank you. And yeah. this is just a bit too fanciful <laughs> for my taste. It doesn't dwell on it, but it's it's <laughs> there for you to know that like this is a bad place where bad things get get done and like everyone's on edge. So they're extra distrustful of this this weird man from Wisconsin who's actually sure. a time traveler. <laughs> right. Um so Jake has like come up with another identity as George Amberson who is like going around dairy. <laughs> it's an obviously made up name. <laughs> um I like Amberson. his his cover in dairy is that he's like in real estate business for someone else and everyone clearly cottons on that he's like planning to buy property for a mall because it's the hello 50s. i am i am i am amberson i businessman i am businessman with i am business, business. thank you um, welcome me to business <laughs> um so he ends it's like a it feels like if this were a three or four season television show i don't know what the james franco thing is i could go ask it was a, it was a mini series i okay. don't think they're making it i could go either. ask him but he went downstairs um yeah, don't don't interrupt him. Yeah, yeah he's. Pr- I think he looked pretty tired. Yeah, I mean, we did just travel through time. Um, yeah. He, uh, if this were like a three or four season television show, this first season would be like him in Derry, uh, like meeting the people in the town, scoping out how to stop Harry Dunning's dad from like killing everybody. Um, the theatricality of it is that it's like happening at Halloween, so like the ooh, whole time, ta- ooh, it's so spooky, spooky. right? Um, and he does end up actually like he prevents the the dad from killing everyone except one kid. Um, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> like, that's a pretty good hit rate. <laughs> it's it's pretty good. Um, and then he goes back to the future and. Uh, gigawatts. Yes, pinball Marty. parts. Yeah, I I ran. Biff. Yeah, it's B- weird. <laughs> um, B- Biff. <laughs> and he learns that Harry did, you know, obviously grow up, but then died in Vietnam. Um, uh, which is like, oh, I gotta go stop Kennedy, I guess. Um, cause Vietnam. And right. when he talks to Al about what happened, because he's only been gone two minutes in Al's timeline. Mm-hmm. Um. Al, who's dying of lung cancer, is and also his diner's gonna get like he's it's been foreclosed on or something. <laughs> oh no! Um, which is only how does the story make you kick care about the stakes of that? Um, when the JFK stuff is also so the diner so, like why do I care sorry. about Al's stupid schemy time Past travel meat, meat diner? diner. Yeah. yeah. Um, the reason <laughs> like, it's important, and I did forget it for most of the book, because like it's important at the beginning of the book and only important again at the end, is that if they bulldoze the diner and put in an LL Bean Express, which is the plan, um, okay. they don't know what the effect on this wormhole will be. That it is possible that it could just, close the wormhole. I think you just go to the ladies' restroom in the L.L. Bean and you get transported back to 1950-whatever. Well, according to this book, apparently Al's Diner is really important to the wormhole being there. I'm not quite sure why. That feels like propaganda that Al would be <laughs> personally invested in. Like, you can't let my my store close down. Like, I'll just the time portal, <laughs> officer. <laughs> 
Yes, you know. My business know has I'm, to be here forever. I know I'm two years late on my payments, but there's a time travel booth in the yeah, back. Yeah, but like, do you, there there'll be heck to pay if you kick me out of here. It's, so, d- do you want to be responsible for this butterfly effect thing? Yeah. Well, they talk about the butterfly effect a lot in the book. Um, so, by that name. By that name. Hmm. Um, I guess like Ashton Kutcher didn't invent that. I guess other people can talk about it. Yeah, they do credit Ray Bradbury in the book as having written about it. So hmm. I feel like they changed the timeline so that Ooh, it was Ray Bradbury yep. and not Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mentioned the fact that one of the ways that Al got a bunch of money was betting on like sporting events in the past. And right. that does happen throughout the book. Um, he takes with him a list of things to bet on <laughs> and who wins when um, he is nervous that anybody might find it at any point. And it's kind of a, like it's a, it's probably the C or D tier plot of the book is that he makes a couple bets that piss people off. Okay. And there is like a low level mafia connection between all of the bookies that he ends up using in the South and that comes back to bite him at like a pivotal point towards the end of the book. It's an interesting way to have like a bad guy separate from Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, again, like it, it is, I guess in a book this long, you would have to have stuff to break up the, like it can't all be high stakes, like Correct. presidential assassination tension. You have to successfully introduce threads like what if Al's closes down or what if the mob gets me for yes. my time travel scheme and that stuff the time travel the time travel mob stuff um that's definitely what it is it's it's more that like uh i think there's like a thematic resonance to like betting on chance and things like that in a book about what is and is not predetermined okay um but it does like set up some dominoes that have to fall later from a, just from a, a writing perspective which king is very good at um when he does go back uh, oh, so he's in 2011. I brought Al back up. Al, because he knows the diner's closing and because he's dying of cancer, he ends up just um, taking his life by taking a bunch of pain pills to force um, Jake to act and to not like dilly dally. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I've laid out my plan and you only have a week and I can't offer you anymore. I'm going to bounce. And okay. uh, Jake's like, guess I'll do it. It's time mm-hmm. to go. So he goes back in time. He does have to redo the killing of Harry's dad um, because that got reset. So he has to do that part again. Um, he does it. It's again like a video game save. Yes, correct. Um, he does it Where earlier. You have to redo all the side quests that you did. Yes, and he has to be careful not to mess with the clockwork machine to make sure that Harry's dad is in the same place what he's like this time he actually gets him alone and it's not this climactic battle scene he actually just like kills him solo in a graveyard sure um he's spookiest way to kill somebody it's pretty spooky um and then he just kind of disappears and and he does end up um writing the same wrong with the girl in the wheelchair that Al did um he does it a little bit differently but he still does that part because he knows that Mm -hmm. he can and then he moves first to Florida and then to Texas. He spends some time in Florida working as a substitute teacher. He gets he gets a degree to teach from like what they call a degree mill, which is like a mail away. He answers like 50 questions on a questionnaire and they send him sure. a degree. Yeah. Um, 
and then he has to leave. Probably super accredited yep. and legit. Yep, I bet. And then he has to leave Florida because a bookie like was going to kill him and burned his house down. Um, Which is why most people leave Florida. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, and along the way, he starts. He will randomly encounter like a video game. Uh, people Ooh. who like share similar physical traits or similar names or just similar situations. And he starts coming up with this theory that the past is like harmonizing with itself. It's a word he uses over and over again, that there are a lot of internal parallels and rhymes that he is maybe making happen. Is this like a history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes? Yes. Sort of. Yeah. Play. And that, I think, also jives with the conspiracy theory part, too, like because we're dealing with all the Oswald stuff. Like, there's an urge to see patterns in everything. And it's just a very human thing. And so in this book where, like, he did travel through time. So some of the stuff he's encountering could be because of that. And he just doesn't know which is just because it's reality and which is because it's him messing with the time stream. Um, Yeah, that'd be hard to figure out, I think. I don't... Yeah. Yeah. It'd be real hard to do cause and effect, especially because, I don't know, you do something two years into your save and to go back and check would just require you to give up too much work. Yeah, and you don't really have time to like... And because Yeah, because you're aging, your time is finite still. Yes, Yes, he is certainly... That's an interesting aspect of the time travel. I feel like they don't often do time travel where the aging doesn't also like undo itself. Well, and and he thinks... Yes, that's very true because if he messes up, like if he gets close, but he doesn't like do it right, he'd have to go back and do it again f- and it would take him another five years. Right. So like every trip is five years and... It's just that that is a thing that weighs on him as he's trying to do it. So he moves to Texas, sets himself up in Dallas and Fort Worth, um, and then moves to this like nice airport. Yes. And he (laughs) is like some of the stuff that is like it is interesting from a historical fiction perspective, but I actually will probably remember the least not because I thought it was bad, but just because I found it like less interesting than other stuff is him tracking Oswald and him like purposefully buying flats and stuff across from him and like buying recording equipment to listen to him talk Russian to people. Yeah, because I guess that would be the part of this fiction book that's like the least fictional is yeah. now I'm just now I'm just reading Stephen King write what Lee Harvey Oswald did, which which fine. Like, yes, I don't know. I like the Quantum Leap episode where <laughs> it was about Lee Harvey Oswald, and there was there were some aspects of that. But yeah, and you get like I think in a in a book this long, I feel like you're always sort of hoping for it to justify its length in some way, yeah. and for it to spend time on this particular thing doesn't maybe feel well. And it's like the best use of time. It's I don't scattered. Know. It's scattered throughout, and it's part of like a double life he's leading, where he is ensconced in this small town, Jody, Texas, which That's is a good word. It it's confusing because it's it's called Jody, and he ends up getting into a relationship with a woman named Sadie. And I just my brain was just not ready to tell the two apart for long stretches. I kind yeah, that was, it was the same deal with me and in, in Middlemarch last week. Yeah, the Lattice Law and. The other guy, the other L, (laughs) the L man, (laughs) the other L man that I can't even now remember right now. 
Um, so he's living this double life where he's tracking the Oswald Ludwig, stuff. Ludwig Ludvash. Lud. Larry. <laughs> Larry. It was definitely Larry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that stuff might be more interesting to someone who actually lived through more of it or is closer to it in experience. Like if I was born closer to when it happened or before it had happened and I'm like remembered any of it from the news or had studied it more extensively, I might be more fascinated by the Oswald stuff. Yeah. Cause otherwise what are you doing? Like you're trying to get praise or dodge criticism from history buffs who want to come at you like, yeah. oh, this isn't how it really happened. Yeah. 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 So it actually, it ends up that's focusing. How <laughs> that's how it really happened. And how critic. Um, it's sort of in that way. It feels like when an author writes a companion novel to a novel that exists already and is like, here's all the stuff happening over here. Like there's a little element of like, these are all the like sort of Lion King one and a half. <laughs> yeah, quality. definitely. That's what it is. <laughs> um, that's just Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, but with Timon and Pumbaa. Um, but it's like, Sounds here's, good to me. I don't know. <laughs> here are some conversations that Oswald had with Russian people. Because I didn't know that he actually... I don't know much about him at all. That's That was a thing I learned. I learned how much I didn't know reading this book. Right. In terms of him, like, emigrating to Russia and then coming back. And, like, apparently he spent a lot of time passing out pro-Cuba leaflets in Texas Yes. Which is probably what informed why he wanted to kill JFK. Believe that happened uh, in the Quantum Leap episode. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay, um, but a good, so, a good two-parter of Quantum Leap. That's well. I think it's on Hulu if you want to watch. Oh, just with James Frank. I'll go ask James for his password. Um, and while this is happening, he is living a life in Jody, Texas. He does like it in the past. It's simpler. He is a white man. He recognizes that it is simpler for him than it is for other people. Yeah, that's that's what simpler means. Yep. Is I have more power and I have to worry less about sharing it with other people. Yes, correct. Um, and he gets a job at this high school. Um, the librarian that helps get him hired passes away and Sadie is hired as her replacement and they start as friends. Um, he directs a banging production of, of mice and men and like <laughs> gets this football player really into acting, which probably like saves his life. And is he a um, real Paul Newman type. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Starting salsa businesses and everything. Um, <laughs> I meant more about the football player turned actor, <laughs> oh. thing, but sure. Yeah. Salsa also. <laughs> That's my new Mexican restaurant. It's salsa also. That's what oh it's yeah, called. salsa also. Um, and it's like it's a whole section of the book that is about the impact a teacher or a good adult can have on like people's lives. And I thought that was so. Like he and Jody um, end up organizing this big like fundraiser because there's a car crash where one of the kids dies and this other girl gets this horrible like facial injury and so they raise a bunch of money to like pay for her plastic surgery sure um and all of this is like oh the the positive impact that a single good individual can have and have it ripple out like what is the good version of the butterfly effect and what versus well, like I think the butterfly effect is amoral. No, right? yes, but the way we talk about it is usually like, oh, 
unintended unintended negative consequences unintended surprising consequences and in a book that is about going back in time and stopping a dude from killing a dude i was surprised and very invested in the plot that was like here's a guy positively impacting a bunch of lives that he didn't intend to okay Um, or he and he and sadie both actually they, they work as as a team there that's fair. Um, and I thought that was interesting. I was like, wh- I was wondering why that was part of the book until it like clicked, and and then it clicked pretty hard. Um, their relationship does get strained. Um, she she's had a previous marriage, and so their relationship is kind of like under wraps. But it gets a little strained after he accidentally sings a Rolling Stones song that doesn't exist yet. And and then she, she this is the sound you've been looking for. <laughs> she calls him out on a bunch of slang that he uses. So apparently someone like bagged his groceries and he said, excellent, dude. Uh, um, her, her full quote like is that's a pretty easy slip not to make. Excellent, dude. That's what you said. I think maybe you better tell me where you heard that and kick out the jams and boogie shoes and shake your booty chill and freaking out. I want to know where you heard those two. Why you say them and no one else does. Wait, okay. So remind me when this character is supposed to be from in the present. Uh, 2011. He's probably in his 20s or 30s. So, okay, so if he's using this slang in 2011, yeah, he's really behind the time. So it's it's he is neither of our world <laughs> nor of this world. Yeah, that's true. Because like here's the slang that a 65-year-old man thinks that a 20-something-year-old man uses in 2011. I don't know, maybe he's just trying. Maybe he rolled his slang back as far as he could. <laughs> And that's as far as he got, because he was like, "Oh well, I can't, I can't." Well, use I don't fleek. know what they say, but I can get closer. I can't say "bay" in 1958, so I'm going to say slang at all. Kick out the jams, which mm-hmm. is pretty good. I can't say "hold my beer." <laughs> Nobody in 1958 understands any of my cool memes. <laughs> help no one um understands that's what she said but someone in the book does say the old version uh a version of it which is said the chorus girl to the bishop which is a version of that joke help me i accidentally referenced the movie shrek Uh (laughs) uh-oh he does use the the name john lennon at one point when he's talking to someone Mm -hmm. as like a as an alibi sure um so he does eventually reconcile with sadie he does love her. They're in love. Um, it it happens kind of quick after a period. Yeah, you don't sound like super. No, no, no. <laughs> like it's interesting. In love, whatever. It it happens after a period of them like explicitly not being in a relationship, and their work with the community kind of like seals the deal. Sure. Um, I actually kind of was surprised that it wasn't just like love at first sight. That's not the way the book worked. Um, but he is very invested in her and and her and him. Um, he like proves sort of what he's up to by predicting how the Cuban Missile Crisis is gonna go. Um, <laughs> part of her like her ex is like sort of a conspiracy theory guy who ends up showing up later, and they have to kill him because um, he gets violent. But uh, so s- some of that has rubbed off on her, and when the Cuban Missile Crisis is happening, she like uh, oh, like drinks a bunch and like takes some 
too many pills and and he has to save her life um and so he proves to her how it's going to go down okay and like eventually ends up telling her that he's from the future and she takes it in stride mostly yeah i guess it the only way to make that that's a hard thing to write is like character from the past is convinced by a time traveler that something is, is true. I feel like it's a major component of any, I don't know. We were watching star Trek four, not that long ago, which is the one where they go back to the 1980s and save the whales because there's a probe that comes to earth. That's sucking all the water out of the oceans and it speaks whale. And the only way to solve it is to bring back real whales who can say, no, 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 bro. They're cool. It's fine. What a good franchise. What a good series that you love. Um, what was I saying? I don't really know about telling no, people like that you're that, a time that, traveler. That was a that that movie has an example of what I was saying. Oh yes, convincing an old timey past person that you're from the future, it's, and usually it involves some kind of fact or like showing off a technology. Yeah, that the person wouldn't know. For about this, yet. for this, he and it's not the 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 bit where he tells her like it explicit quotes around the cuban missile crisis is not him saying like he cusses no what he doesn't explicit quotes oh god <laughs> i'm gonna just hop in my time machine and, and undo all of that real quick um <laughs> this is your edit i mean that's functionally what the edit is he uh you go back in time and put right well yes that's went true <laughs> she it's built over time where she is like she can tell that he's doing something at first she thinks he's like stepping out or something. And then he has to be like, no, I just got something to do. I can't tell you about. She thinks maybe he's an alien. He's like, no, it's not that. Um, You're in the neighborhood though. Yeah. And like over time as the events of they're in the genre, as the events of the book continue, she finally gets him to be, she kind of figures it out um, in a way that makes the, when he's like, Hey, we had a black president. She's like, really? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sounds interesting um sometimes now it's like oh really really how do we how do we swing man, that man oh god um so then the the latter part of the book is them trying to stop oswald um he has like he's he's erased most of the uncertainty gap that anyone else was involved um he is worried that if he tries to stop oswald too soon that something else will happen instead. So he's going to try and wait as long as possible. Well, and we kind of talked about this the other night is like, at, to what extent are historical actions, like the fault of the person who did them? And to what extent are they the result of like movements and, and feelings of the time? And if like the one person was removed with sufficient like preparation, then somebody else would like rise up and fill that Correct. void. I yeah. And, and the book doesn't really in, in the main characters like timeline doesn't really get to explore that. It does mess with the future, future present um, a lot actually when, when things change which is how you see it, but it doesn't really deal with the like, oh, what what is the replacement? It's more that the the whole phrase of like the past not wanting to change. So when they finally, um, he gets beat up by some bookies that almost prevent him from going and stopping Oswald. So Sadie has okay. to go with him to go stop Oswald. And like on the way, car breaks down, bus crash, 
the bus driver dies. They have to fight a man in a parking lot. Um, that it's like all sorts of stuff is happening that like you can feel that the universe does not want this thing changed is is really what it feels like. That's really that's an interesting for for the book to say fatalism is a thing but if you try hard enough i guess you can still change stuff yeah for for like for one version of events to be truer or like more likely to be true than any other version of events is interesting because when are when are we in the present fighting against something that wants to happen Uh (laughs) uh-huh yup um when like, do you want me to pass this bowl of marijuana over now or are you good <laughs> no james has been uh i've gotten pretty high over oh here yeah james no, has been talking the whole show yeah, he's he's cool <laughs> you, you totally hotboxed <laughs> over there um yeah so when later in the book um when he is back in the future seeing the effects of what he's done and it's really bad everything's very bad <laughs> uh-huh. um like what we'll happened like okay so the uh, he does end up um he does end Sorry, up is this a, is this a is this a tangent you don't want to No get no off no on? no no it, it's more like a spoiler like people should read this book knowing that like yeah some stuff is going to get changed in history that's all i want to say Oh and okay then, okay that's fine then And then like uh he changes the events of Dealey Plaza and the book depository and things like that it's very tragic um so he has a reason to want to go back again and and mess with stuff again. But before that happens, he has to go back to 2011 and like, yeah, um, George Wallace became president and like nuked Vietnam. And then uh, some other like power plant melted down and... Uh, yeah, Bill Clinton was going to be president, but then he died, and so Hillary was president. But also there are now all of these crazy earthquakes that are going to break the literal earth apart because okay. reality is so mad at us. Okay, um, that's interesting. Yeah, so like there's <laughs> Hillary, I think he's talking to someone in the in the new future who's like, yeah, she's a good president, but you can't legislate earthquakes. And the world f- is literally crumbling apart. I feel like this is actually an argument in favor of my, like the 2016 election is an argument in favor of there's one version of events that wants to be true. <laughs> yeah. And all kinds of unlikely things will happen. Yes, that's true. Because of the universe. Um, and so the what what starts to take shape for jake slash george he goes back in time back to 1958 he encounters another one of those yellow card men the guys with the fedora with the card in his hat and they one of them tells him a little bit more about the larger time verse that like every trip has been wearing away at the fabric of reality by creating other timelines Okay. And big changes like this are messing with everything. So what you need to do is reset this to zero. Like and the the end of the book is him choosing whether or not to do that because he knows that it's going to erase the life he le- he led with Sadie. Wait, so how do you do a hard reset on this? On well, this time you do as hard thing. of a reset as you can. Um, and this was the thing I was actually I wanted to make sure I brought up when you were wondering about what the version of reality is going to happen. 
Jake does wonder what Al caused to happen by traveling. The most he can reset okay. it back to is, um, bef- one, you know, actually, you don't really know what he can set it back to, but to Al's timeline of Al telling him about it. So he wonders, is 9-11 caused by this? Is the Fukushima earthquake caused by the stuff that Al did yeah, like to what extent are these cheap hamburgers rippling out across the entire landscape? Yeah. And and any, anything that Al may have changed because he doesn't really know what he changed, um, and so that becomes a, a takeaway for him of like, well, because one of the there's also like there was an earthquake only a couple years after the Kennedy thing that Jake changed and it killed seven thousand people in Los Angeles, and he's like, that never happens. What's that? Uh-huh. I should not have that, mm, and he in, <laughs> and he internalizes that that's because he messed with the with the whole timeline. Yeah, um, I, mean, I could see why you would think that. Yes, uh, and then the book, the ending that Joe wrote is, is or not wrote, but told his dad to write is very good, um, and involves a nice like reunion of characters uh, in a way that like closes that plot separately from the Oswald plot, which I, I, okay. I really liked. Um, this book is good. It's a good one. It sounds one. like you enjoyed it. Like it's in an, there are a lot of levels to enjoy it on. Yes. Right? Like you can you can get really interested by the story of it. You can get interested in the like the historical fiction aspect of it. You can get interested in how the system works. Like we're always a big fan of mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. like systems here yeah. on the Overdue podcast. And I and like it doesn't because he's only traveling the couple of times, it doesn't get too systems mechanics heavy, but you know the stakes of them so that when he is what I found myself wondering a lot when he was, you know, deep in romance and mostly a lot of sex with Sadie, <laughs> um nice. They have a code word for sex. They call it pound cake because they always he would stay well, after dinner for dessert, quote unquote. I mean, there's a lot of reasons you could call it that and if you wanted, true. which you shouldn't want to. <laughs> um, yes. And in my head, like I'm I'm reading parts of this book going like, is this whole relationship the past trying to distract him from Oswald? Like you start Ooh. like taking that. And again, like you get into a conspiracy mindset where like, what is the universe trying to make happen? What's your game um, universe? What my what? What's your game universe? Oh, I thought I was like your gamer universe, which is a separate What's your gamer universe. <laughs> What's your gamer universe. What's your tag on EA's gamer universe <laughs> service? Um. So yeah, it, and it does a little bit of the like, oh, what were these times? What were the late fifties, early sixties? It it's some quaint small townness from there in in the Jody Texas stuff which like if mm-hmm. that's what you like about some of the small town stuff in Stephen King's like dairy verse you're going to get that in a couple spots in this book dairy verse that isn't that is that what it is or is it the king universe i don't know what a, a dairy verse is good it's dairy fine. Is fine it's fine leave it leave it okay that's cool <laughs> um and as we said at top it's not spooky it is supernatural. Um, well, and is the is the horror the sort of existential thing where it, you're yeah. having to deal with, I don't know, with time being fixed but not? If there's horror, like there's some grotesque imagery when he comes back to the nuclear future 
Um, and the violence when there is violence in the book is pretty like savage. Sure. Um, there's a, I mean, that's, the, that was the case in, in it. Yeah. Like, that was one of the, like one or two books that I've read for the show that I had to like put down because I was nauseous. Ugh, it's so like, even stuff like there's a scene where he gets hit in the knee with like a pipe wrench and I was just like, yikes. no, yikes. Ow. <laughs> um, and like, people getting their like face cut and stuff where it's just like it's it's visceral and it makes you think about what it would be like to have those wounds in a way sure. that like a some action sequences don't they're just like oh someone got hurt and then it moves yeah. on um mm-hmm. most of the like damage that people suffer like has real consequences and it, it really affects you interesting um, yeah, I don't know. It's a cool book. That's kind of where I'm at. Some of the, I will say that some of the domestic violence aspects of the book lean into a particular like bad man trope. That yeah, I mean, I I is part of a it, lot of Stephen King actually. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see it reflect some of the same things that it did yes. with like its only woman character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and there's nothing. Um, I don't think there's like sexual violence in the book, but it, it is just like there's a particular style of sensational domestic violence that's in the book that's just like part of what it in the in the language of mid-century Stephen King is like this is what it means for a man to be bad kind of stuff. Okay. Um, you see some of that also reflected in in Oswald in the scenes with Oswald and his wife, um, which like I guess are like a an inversion to the relationship between Jake and Sadie because they are yeah. way happier than they are. That's like that's a way for for a man to be bad, but in some ways, I wish that I don't know. We we would explore the more subtle ways in which men can be bad. It, it's sort of the the thing where yeah, like every everybody knows that like putting a white hood on and burning a cross is racist but we can't agree on i don't know like college admissions policy like something more more subtle and i think we in in fiction and we were just talking about game of thrones in fiction it that i don't know violence against women gets kind of painted with that same brush yes where yeah, it does. Violence is like the only bad thing that a man can do to a woman because the audience can like easily wrap their heads around it and it just kind of flattens yeah, nuance. Yeah. And and Stephen King is is smart enough to to have other things happening. Like sure. um Sadie's ex husband, because he is kind of a conspiracy crackpot guy, in addition to being like very statistically, mathematically intelligent, and they kind of play into each other, he plants some of that in Sadie's brain. He also like is oddly like disgusted by women and and that affects her self-worth and then her her relationship with her mom is really messed up and so there's like other psychologically bad ways that people like and and king does a pretty good job of like exploring those motivations but it's just but like does it is it playing into like the i like bad men because my mom no 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 was with a bad man thing no it's more i was it's more um she ends up with him because she's young doesn't know anything different and her parents are very excited about the match so it's more about options um and in the time period than it is about something else um got it 
And so you, and you even get a little bit of like, maybe she'll go to the future with him and what will that be like? It doesn't happen, but um, she is presented as, as different than her time in, in some interesting ways. And I believe that the, and, and King once upon a time published this ending. I don't know if it still exists anywhere on his website because it's been a couple of years, mm-hmm. but I think he, he did an ending where she exists in the world, but is like old somewhere. Yes. Right? That's in like, the, that's in the ending in the book also, but it's more, uh, it's, it's more romantic, I think than the one that he originally wrote. Okay. Um, she, she does make it, um, and it's kind of neat. It reminds me of the end of The Leftovers. I love The Leftovers. Everybody go watch The Leftovers. I gotta watch that show sometime. I don't know if you'll love it, and that'll break my heart, but... Well, but if it ends good, that would be better than other shows. It ends better than some other shows. Time to end (laughs) this podcast. Um, Thanks for listening to me tell you about this book, Andrew. You're welcome. I mean, that's what we do. That's the show. Um, Contractually obligated. I don't know if it's in our partnership agreement, but... (laughs) I guess it's implied. <laughs> yeah. Um, if folks want to know, no, no more. No. If folks know more about this book than I do and want to tell me about it, send me an email at overduepod at gmail.com uh, or tell us your thoughts about the book at twitter.com slash overduepod or facebook.com slash overduepod. Thanks again to Aaron for recommending the book, uh, to James, Katie, Dion, Melissa, Natalie, Jennifer, Brittany, Jane, Megan, Aaron, D, Robbie, Paul, and many more for reaching out on social media this week in response to our Middle March episode and others. Andrew, if folks want to know more about our show, where should they go? You can go to OverduePodcast.com, which is an internet website. Up there we have a uh, Amazon a list of Amazon links to the books that we have read and are going to read. You can uh, click those, buy the books, and we get a small cut of that. Um, we have a new listener page with episodes that we really like. We have links to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and our RSS feed that you can use to subscribe to the show. And uh, what else? We got Patreon, patreon.com slash overdue pod. You can financially support us that way as well and get some cool rewards, which I think we're going to tell you a little bit about right now. So you may know that we are wrapping up Stop Homer Time for the time being. Our read of the Odyssey has drawn to a close. So next month, we are setting sail for hell. <laughs> we will be uh, reading The Divine Comedy by Dante, starting with The Inferno. Um, we are reading the translation by uh, Robert and Jean Hollander, H-O-L-L-A-N-D-E-R, um, which was recommended to us by our friend Emily Wilson, who translated The Odyssey. Uh, so yeah, we have a conversation with her going up this week. Yes, so I'm super excited for all you guys to hear that. Check that out on Friday on the main feed if you haven't listened already through Patreon. But yeah, you can get those um, those. <laughs> so what's the name of the show again, Andrew? Which the new one? Yeah. Hellboys. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be releasing Hellboys at the same cadence that we do Homer Time, which is every month. Uh, Patreon subscribers will get a new episode, and then every other month we'll release a like a combo pack on of two feed. episodes to people on the main feed. So you'll get to hear it eventually, regardless. But if you want to get that a fresh episode, Hellboys every month in your in your podcast feed, Patreon.com/slash/overduepod. Yep. 
Um, and without the supporters for Homer Time, we, we definitely wouldn't have been able to carve out the time to make that happen. So thank you so much. Oh, absolutely not. Um, Andrew, what are you reading for next week? Um, sort of a spinoff of our spinoff. I'm reading Circe by Madeline Miller, which is a, a fictional account based in Greek mythology about a character who does appear in the Odyssey. Sure. Yeah. That was a way to describe that book. Yeah, well... <laughs> All right, I gotta go want? hang out. I gotta go hang out with James. Sorry, he's calling. Yeah, yeah, because I know James gotta go to bed early. So, go get your hang on with him. And until we talk to you next week, everybody, please try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.